Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax, and anything else that's going on that you're focusing on or dealing with, just put that aside. And one of the reasons we we do this every time we start the show is just so we can form that habit of what it feels like to just put things aside. What, how to do it? We all do things different. We all have different temperaments. We all have different history. We're all in a different situation, and yet each one of us can put aside our mind racing, our emotions racing, what we're doing, we can learn to just put that aside and be available in the presence of God. And that starts with recognizing that he's right there, that we are always in his presence, and that the more our awareness increases, the more our recognition of his presence increases. He's always there. Our awareness just needs to increase. It's like a fragrance. Unless it gets to be really strong or something really different, we don't notice it, even though it's always there. So we're learning to, well, our senses are being tuned. And that comes from being in God's presence. He's the one who's restoring your soul. It's not by your effort, by your desire, by the strength of your will, or your calling, or your anointing, or whatever you think you have, your soul has to offer. God already has your soul. Every part of you is already his. But he wants your soul to also be yours, to be reconnected to your spirit. Your spirit is who you truly are. If you've been born again, you're a living spirit. But your soul is disconnected. Your soul is being refit into your spirit. God's the one doing that. God's the one healing. He's the one restoring. He's the one revealing the lies you're believing, healing the wounds, the rejection, dealing with anything that you may not even know about. Most most of the things that God is dealing with in your soul, you are probably not aware of. And there's a, even a possibility that you might argue with God about that needing to be taken care of or changed. We all... We all have strengths and weaknesses in our soul. And we have a tendency to rely on our strengths. We think that that's what makes us valuable, is what's socially valuable. When God gave us our soul, everything's valuable. Because we're valuable. We're valuable to God. You are valuable right now where you are. You are 100% valuable to God because he's the one who decides value. 
and he paid everything he had to restore relationship with you. And that's done. Now we're learning to live as a part of God, part of his family, a joint heir with his son. Everything that Jesus inherits, we inherit, starting with that relationship with Father. Now we talk about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and God being a trinity and all these things. These are concepts that we use to try, you know, to try to understand something that our mind and our brain I don't think are able to really perceive God's nature yet. Now our spirit does, but our soul I think is far away from being able to know God as he really is, which is why we ask him to reveal himself. Because we know he won't reveal more than we can handle. Now he may put us in situations we can't handle to show we, that we need him, to show our weaknesses, to show how our strengths fail. But he's revealing himself because that's the only way we can see him. We can't see him out of our own senses, our own strength, our own understanding. It only comes from revelation. That's, we can't, somebody can't be uh, born again unless they see God, unless they know God. And only those who are called come to him. Now, there's a time and a season for all things. And maybe some some point in time we'll get into the redemption of all things, reconciliation of all things. But everything started in God, came out of him, if we want to call it separate, separate from him. Not in the spiritual realm, but as far as he created the supernatural realm and the natural realm, which are still all under his power and authority. But he has withdrawn himself so that we would pursue him. It's the same principle as why he determined for Adam and Eve to be separated. He needed a cause for them to be separated because there was things that they couldn't experience dwelling with him in the garden never having experienced not having him present, not having him there to meet all their needs. So we've talked so many times about appreciating God. They didn't because they'd always had him there. God was always there to fulfill every need they had. So there were aspects of the soul that God had given them, that they could not experience in his presence, that they needed to be separated from him. And one of those is appreciation, gratitude, recognizing the very nature of God and the nature of what the, what the spirit is made out of. So there are things that we can't learn in ways other than negative experiences. 
So we value the right hand and the left hand of God. Now, we don't need to go out and create negative situations. They will come our way. And some will experience some kinds of negative experiences and some will experience other kinds. Whatever your experience and whatever your circumstances are, positive or negative or all in between, they were crafted for you. God knew exactly what it would take to modify, to restore, to change, to heal, to to break those bad habits in your soul that would restore your soul to your spirit. And God's working on that. In the meantime, we're learning to learn to learn, um, live and move and have our being as a spirit being. What does it mean to live as a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body? What does that mean? How do we do that? Well, that's where we can focus our attention. Just as, you know, if you were going to be an athlete, you focused on taking care of your body, on exercise, you had a a program, you got a coach, you had a training schedule, you had goals, you practiced, 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 you, you do what was necessary to hone your physical body, your mental capacity, whatever was necessary, your competitive edge, whatever was necessary to achieve those goals. Well, likewise, in our soul. We, can, we are learning to see what our soul is like as it is connected to our spirit. And as we start to see how really unhelpful and unfruitful and unbeneficial our bad habits are, that the, as that process happens, God himself, again, brings the healing, the restoration, changes those habits. But it's not something we do. We participate as he does it. But we, can, we put ourselves in the situation where we take God's purpose for us here and now seriously. We don't put her off till the sweet by and by, when all of a sudden we'll be changed in the blink of an eye. It's, it's now, here, we are being conformed to the likeness and image of God himself right now, here. And brought into oneness with him, where we can live and move and have our being and know him in whatever way he chooses to reveal himself. And we take that seriously, just as a, an athlete takes the, the discipline and the, the honoring and the care of his physical body, we take care of our soul. And, and I, I think this is one of the failings of most Christian movements, is there's been, you know, very often this is a case in many different kinds of situations where there's a one side or another. Either, the, for instance, the, the physical is ignored or it's indulged. And likewise with the soul, we can ignore the condition of our soul or we can overly focus on it and look to 
benefit from the strengths we have and determine how we are to serve God based on our strengths and weaknesses. You know, we, we've used the, the temperaments as a way to gauge our soul and let that determine, for instance, how we're going to serve God. And yet when we look in the, the scriptures, the example, you know, Paul should have been sent to the Jews. He spoke their language. And Peter should have been sent to the Gentiles. He was one of them. And yet God did the exact opposite. And I think one of the reasons was he didn't want them relying on the strengths of their heritage, their knowledge, where they fit in. God very often puts us in situations where we're offended. And that's good. Because we don't know we have a, a button, a sore spot, a wound, very often until it's poked. And we go, ouch. And there's a red flag there. And we go, okay, what's going on? Why does that bother me so much? And we can take it seriously that God wants your soul restored. When God originally gave you the soul, now I don't know exactly when your soul connected with your, you know, your body that was the, formed the bridge between your body and your spirit. I don't know the dynamics of that. But I do know that God gave you the soul he wanted you to have for a specific purpose, which is his purpose, to know you. You know, think about that. God's desire is to know you. Now, he already knows all about you, but he wants to be known of you. He wants to have that connection. You're already one with him in your spirit, but you are incomplete for our purposes here on this earth because your soul is separate from your spirit or in the process of being reunited. So we can go ahead and take that project reuniting your soul with your spirit, take it as a high goal from God. Don't worry about ministry. Don't worry about evangelism, you know, other people going to hell or heaven or, you know, changing the course of history or glorifying God. Whatever it is you think God wants you to do, it all comes down to the restoring of your soul, a very individual mandate that he's given each one of us. Now, we have a tendency to avoid things that cause us pain, that are hard, that, that are difficult emotionally, that are contrary to our solical characteristics, our temperament. And so we very often go to one extreme or the other. We ignore what goes on in our soul, and we just gut, gut things out. Or we overindulge in our soul, and we rely on the strengths, and we hide behind them. Or even we can use our wounds. You know, I'm so broken, don't ask me to do anything. And we throw that into God's, you know, face. God, you allowed all these mistakes all these things to happen to me, how can you possibly expect me to, to to even be able to stand? Why did you let this happen? A lot of times it's, why did you let me make this mistake? Only we find out that God wants to 
answer those questions. It's not so, first of all, it's certainly not that he's accountable to us for his decisions. But we often rely on those questions. We hide behind them. Because, you know, your soul doesn't want to change. Your soul thinks it's been doing good enough. It's been protecting you. Go back to being in a prison cell. You're protected there. You get your food. It's crappy food. But you get it served to you. You have crappy company, terrible you know, people in the, in the cells next to you. And the guards are terrible to you. It's a terrible situation. But you know what comes next. You know the sun's going to go down, the sun's going to come up, and the next day you know breakfast is coming and then lunch and then dinner, and you know who's going to be grumpy and you know how to to deal with the, the guard. You know what's coming. Then one day you find out that your cell door isn't locked. And it's never been locked. And the people next to you, their cell doors are not locked. But change is hard. Freedom takes effort. Living is work. It's not being productive. It's not about accomplishing something. But work to cooperate with God to be with him, to, you know, we, we use the, the, the scripture, the translation, occupy till I come. Well, guess what? God has come. What are you occupying? What are you doing? Have you figured out what's really important to God? And it's not out there. What have you value? What do you value in yourself that God has already valued? Do you value yourself, your soul? That's where yourself is. Is in your soul. And over time, He might start to show you, put His finger on, and expose the aspects of your soul that have been shortchanging you, doing you no good, like the guard that comes every day and makes sure that, you know, everybody's in their cell. He never says, oh, by the way, these doors, you can come out any time. He's perfectly fine letting you stay in your misery. Well, that's part of your soul. It's very often a mental part, part of your 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 mind, not your brain, but your mind, convinces you to stay where you are. Maybe try to be a better prisoner. Maybe make sure your cell is neat. Maybe try to evangelize the person in the next cell over. Or encourage them or do something, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel better about your situation. Because being free is harder than being miserable. Cooperating with God and learning to accept his unconditional love is harder 
than having no hope for something different tomorrow. So we become satisfied with a terrible life. We, we are okay with settling for the bare minimum. Again, I'm not talking about what you're going to do for God, all the, you know, all the things you can you know, uh, bring glory to him. This, that's not it at all. It's, it's about you inside. What if God told you, I want you to spend the rest of your life becoming whole inside? That's your, that's your goal. That's your job. That's your task. Focus everything you have on your soul, on yourself. Now, how contrary is that to one of those extremes? You either, we're either taught to ignore our soul Because that's, you know, navel-gazing. You know, God's going to take care of that. That's not what we're here for. Or being indulgent. Now that we're free, we can do whatever we want. When the truth is not between the two, it's outside the cell. You can be self-indulgent inside your cell. You can be... You can ignore your soul inside your cell. What God wants is you to bring your soul outside that cell. Be free. Learn to live as a free spirit, soul, and body person. It's not about pleasing God. He's already well pleased with you. You You're his son. in whom he is well pleased. He he did everything he needed to bring you back to him, and we're back with him. That's done. Now we are to learn to live outside of that self. And we're going to be tempted. We're all going to be tempted to, to, once we're out of the self, we want to go back in because we knew what to expect, even though it was a terrible life. You know, we have this idea about when we become... You know, in the sweet by and by when we die and we're seated on, in heavenly places and walking on the golden streets and whatever your concept is of, you know, being seated with heavenly places with God, whatever you think that is, it's better than what we have here. And yet God says the opposite. He says we have experienced, you know, no I Our eyes have not seen, nor have we heard, neither has it even entered into our minds what God has waiting for us now, here, for those of us who wait for him and not only accept his love, but can also return that love unconditionally because we have received it. You have to receive something before you can give it back. But we can't. We don't have any concept of what God has for us once we leave our cell. The only way we're going to find out is to leave our cell. And this is where we find out how we've been deceived, how we've been lied to. And our soul cooperated with that. That guard is your, is your mind, the lies you believe... Your, your companions that you all kept company 
You all kept yourselves, you know, comforted and encouraged in misery when you didn't have to. And you know what what happens as soon as you start going, noticing, wait a minute, this door, I can open it and close it, and I can open it and close it. And everybody else starts going, oh, I can do that too. I can open my door, and, and nobody wants to leave. And then as soon as somebody, maybe somebody down the cell block, you see them, you know, in their rags, they're taking hesitant steps to leave. And all of a sudden the guard comes down, and the person just walks right past the guard. The guard doesn't do anything to stop them, because that's not what they're there for. That guard is there to deceive, to keep you believing that you have no future, that this is it, that you're, however your soul is right now, whatever wounds you're carrying around, whatever lies, whatever deceits you're carrying around, you're stuck with them until the next thing. Again, you're, we either indulge our flesh or we ignore it. We indulge our soul we ignore it when the truth of the matter is that our soul is free it's not that we're in the middle we're on a totally different standard of expectations our hope our future our life is outside of that cell but change is hard you know, we, we wear those rags and then we leave the prison and God has a, a set of robes for us and a ring to put on our finger and a crown on our head. Just because he loves us, just because we are part of him, it's not because we have a special purpose or that he has special plans. It's simply because he loves us. And we are part of him. We are, we are in his son. We have inherited everything that his son has inherited. And he values us as individuals. And we have a hard time with that. First, we have a hard time turning our backs on the lies and the deceits that we have relied on to give our lives structure. But now that we start turning our our backs on those lies, on that structure. Life can be terrifying. You know, think about going back to the when Jesus himself was walking around the earth <coughs> and doing these miracles. Why did he turn the world upside down? Because people, the miracles he did and the things he said were so contrary to what they were used to. Everybody wanted to hear. Everybody wanted to see. The soldiers wanted to hear and see. Now, the only ones that were offended were the guards. They were, I mean, the, the guards of uh, the soul. They thought they had power. They thought they had the keys over life and death of everybody in the south. Jesus came around and said, no, I have the keys. And I'm locking, unlocking all the doors. And everybody can come out and follow me. And I'm going to introduce you to God himself. And you're going to be able to know him and be in him. 
without the Pharisees, without the priests, without having to memorize scripture, without having to attend church, without having to do anything, I am bringing you with me to know my Father. My Father and I are one. You and I are going to be one. We're all going to be one. And the powers that be of that time could not handle that, could not allow that. They lost their power. And what happens is when one prisoner walks out of that prison, out of that block, it stirs up all the conflict within everybody who's left. And they had to decide. Now, again, the guards don't come and try to lock anybody in. They can't. They don't have the key. But they will sharpen their lies. They will repeat them. They will repeat their lies. And so what God does is he shows us what those lies are, why we believe them. And he draws us by his goodness. He draws us by his healing. He draws us by restoration of our soul. Not, he never pushes us out of those cells. He draws us. So be encouraged. Take some time this week to think about what's going on in your, in your heart, your mind, your emotions. Let the Lord bring to the surface any area that he wants to, to heal and restore. He's already doing that. But also remember that your soul is a treasure to God and has abilities that you are already, they're already ready and available for you to learn how to do for the rest of your life here on this earth. That's your purpose. Not to accomplish anything for, for God or in God or by his power, but to be you, to learn to walk out of that cell and learn how to live as the being that God created you to be here on this earth. So thanks, as always, for all your good questions and feedback. Drop me a line at diane at org or through Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting back together again same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.